dum dum da dum 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 This podcast, should you choose to listen to it, we'll be talking about Mission Impossible Fallout and Sicario de the Soldado. This podcast will self-destruct in whenever the uh, hosting expires. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Last King Podcast. If you choose to listen to us, okay, I am. Uh, <laughs> of course, we have to stamp. You stamp always have to like just stamp on me. Why Jesus you gotta trample over? Why, we, why you gotta tread on me, Chief Medical Officer Doctor Shah? <laughs> and uh, who else? No one listens to the fucking quartermaster. <laughs> Nobody listens to the qu- well. Once you become a half master, sir, maybe outrank me. <laughs> Help, uh, this is uh, Mr. Toffee, helper assistant Benji. Headmaster? Yeah. Oh, helper assistant Benji? Yeah, helper sitter assistant for the <laughs> MI6 guy. Benji, Mr. Toffee, yeah. Man, MI6. I thought that I'm real bad. Oh. MI6, huh? Yeah. MI6. Do you MI7? Realize the pun, MI6, Mission Impossible 6. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And MI6 plays a big role in uh, the movie that we're going to talk about later in the main segment. But first, uh, let's do the proper introductions. Of course, uh, this is uh, your friends here at The Last King Podcast. I am, of course, uh, Dr. Shafiq, joined by Ms. Eccentric Tom and Mr. Toffee. And uh, today's yes, is a very special uh, episode because. Uh, as of this recording, uh, Mission Impossible 6 has been in theaters about two weeks. No, as of time recording, it's been, yeah. About two, three weeks or so, and probably had more probably than by the time six million release, in it's the like, bank. It's, yeah. it's probably Who fucking knows when bank. this film is going to release? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're time travelers. Yeah. The thing is, we're traveling against the sun, so we're S- actually going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> A space-time continuum means nothing to us. I mean, according to the, the laws of uh, you know uh, around the world in 80 days, if you travel towards the sun, you lose a day yeah <laughs> actually the spoiler alert ladies and gentlemen we're actually in the TARDIS <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately it's we're the TARDIS <laughs> because you can't afford a proper TARDIS <laughs> it's shaped like a portable toilet <laughs> and we all have to share the seat <laughs> oh my god <laughs> how unfortunate <laughs> and sometimes Toffee forgets to flush oh, yes. <laughs> speaking of forgetting the flush burritos. we'll be talking yeah. about two movies this week we'll be talking about uh, another did we ask for a sequel in um, Sicario Day of the Soldado which only I watched because the other two of you were doing better something. things <laughs> yeah. there we go because the thing is uh, this movie boy, it got hammered by the critics uh, yeah it, no one was kind to it because because, uh, spoiler alert, it's a very bad movie. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> Watching a movie and realizing it's bad is not a spoiler. <laughs> I'm spoiling my review, I guess. Uh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Maybe, maybe you could just it, tell us. Maybe as we review it, it gets started, better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe just go back from the beginning. Okay. So, so Guillermo del Toro returns. <laughs> <laughs> Is that racist? No, it's no, not. It's just a joke. <laughs> it's more like a wish. We kind of wish you was it, in the yeah, film. It would be much better if we had the fat Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> now that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> not all Mexicans are fat. Rather than the lean Mexican. Rather than the lean Mexican. Yes. I'm, it's impossible to find a lean Mexican. They have a diet of rice and beans. There, I said it. Hey. 
<laughs> Have you not had a burrito for breakfast, sir? Ooh, a very yeah. musical fruit. <laughs> Makes your ass toot. <laughs> so, enough about all. When you're finished. <laughs> I'm fi- yes, I'm very finished. Oh, dear. So, like, uh, speaking of uh, finished, uh, let's start uh, the show proper. Okay, so first up is uh, Sicario, Day of Soldado. Day of the Soldado. The Soldado. Yeah. What is Soldado? Soldier. The soldier in Spanish. Ah. S- it's a term for... Like uh, the grunts of uh, the cartel, like infantrymen. Kinda. It's like you only become that as soon as you kill a man. Then you become like proper uh, infantry for. And the I think it was established cartel. in the first movie that Sicario meant hitman, right? Yeah. Okay, so assassin, day of the soldier. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> go on. There we go. So, the film starts with a helicopter going over the badlands between Mexico and the states, mm-hmm. and uh, <coughs> excuse me. They're using it for a camera and they find all these uh, people trying to cross into the border. So you think, okay. So pretty much carry on the themes from the first movie. Kind of. And then uh, one of the people starts running. And so, um, you know, the helicopter chases are down when law enforcement comes to, you know, try and capture the person. And then the man starts praying. Which man? Uh, the man who ran. The man who ran. And then he starts praying in Arabic. <gasps> Wait. And then he goes, Boom. Are we talking about... Wait, where are we again? We're not in Mexico anymore. We're still in Mexico. And then we move to Kansas City. And then four brown-looking men walk into a hobby lobby and blow themselves up. I notice you say brown. You're not speaking about Mexicans. No. You're speaking about the other deadly brown. Yes. (laughs) According to the Trump rules. Yes. They're more dangerous. No, equally dangerous, but for different reasons. This is strange. Why would they be... Wait, I'm confused. What is the point of? So it, this this is just a setup, and then later on they also go to Somalia and capture one of the pirates, and then there's an interview with Josh Brolin, blowing up the dude's and family. Josh Brolin. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Brolin as Josh Brolin. Like he's interviewing the guy, and for the interrogation, instead of like torturing him, mm-hmm. he has this video of the dude's house, yeah. and he has like just a predator drone flying over, mm-hmm. okay, and just like bombing his family members to get him to talk. Fascinating. Yeah. And this is just a setup that now the cartel are uh, sh- uh, in past part that people smuggling. They're smuggling over um, suicide bombers. Uh, so suicide bombers are taking the boat from Yemen all the way over into Mexico, and then they're going through the border up into there to carry out terror attacks. So logistically, that doesn't make any sense. No, but it fits into this weird right-wing fantasy this film is going for. Which is strange because I thought this was something for us to kind of be sympathetic to the the cause of the Mexican and the mm. DEA. No, not anymore. Nope. And uh, so this is all just a. I mean, set this is the first movie. Yeah. No, this is just this is the first ten minutes of this movie. Oh God. And then <laughs> this is all just a setup that the U.S. wants to stop this by ca- starting a cartel war. And how do they start a cartel war? They're gonna kidnap the teenage daughter of. Reyes, who was like the guy who killed Benicio de Toro's family in the first film. But I thought he did away with the entire family in the final scene of the first film. Uh, apparently not. There's a so Anastasia so survives. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> that, where, where that's a been? good um, uh, World War One Russia reference, I guess. Everybody knows Anastasia. Amazing yeah. uh, princess movie that isn't a Disney. It's it's a pretty mediocre Disney movie. It's not a Disney movie. I know. Disney. That's why. That's why it's a dis- mediocre one. A pretty mediocre Disney movie. It's awful animation. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's all... And then... The I was about to say Black Cauldron, but I kind of like that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. 
But that's that's just the setup, and then the rest of the movie is them playing uh, like uh, to me to you with this teenage girl. Okay. Uh, they, she they kidnap her, bring her back to the states, then they try to bring her back into Mexico. They get ambushed. The daughter escapes, so Del Toro runs after her. Then they try to bring her back into the states, but they get captured by a different cartel. And then Josh Brolin rescues the girl, and then Benicio gets shot in the face, and they we think he's dead, but he's not. He comes back, and then he talks to this one kid who was this other story in the, the movie where he lives in one of the border towns in Texas and gets involved in a cartel because he's a young board um, you know okay. Latino dude right, right. and he like he's a guy who shoots um, del Toro in the face and he becomes a soldado but then he runs away before the entire uh, cartel gets killed and then he gets sat down by del Toro at the end of the movie spoilers <laughs> no no uh, fuck it see this is the thing <laughs> This is everything that happens in a movie, and if you're confused, uh-huh. that's fine. I was too, and I was watching the fucking movie. <laughs> so, I mean, how was like, the direction for this film this time? It's around? not the same guy. Like Villeneuve I mean, has moved guy, on right? to better yeah. things. Yeah, right? it's uh, I th- si- Simon something if I recall. Yeah, he, I think he's either Cowell? no, I wish uh, or something. Silenzio. <laughs> yeah, he's either Italian or Latino. Simon Cilantro, yes. <laughs> hey, um, so in uh, terms, Stefano Solima. Actually. That's Solima, yeah. Stefano Solima. Yeah, Solima. Yeah. Does he sound familiar? No. <laughs> I think he did a lot of Italian mobster movies before this. So he would be the best guy to uh, task for a I movie that's guess so. very sensitive but to the plight of. I, the point I'm trying to make is that the story is all over the place. Sounds like hot garbage, sir. It is. It feels like they had three different scripts that they all wanted to to make into a movie, but they weren't strong enough. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of mashed them together and said, with our powers combined, we'll make one mediocre script rather than three okay ones. You sound like every Hollywood executive. There right we now. go, yeah. <laughs> so that's how, Yes, boys and girls, that's how movies are made. We take good ideas and we ruin them. <laughs> yeah. On the positive side of the movie, okay, sure. Uh, there are a few bits. The action scenes are pretty good. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's the least you would expect. I mean... Yeah, I mean, they keep the same uh, kind of intensity that uh, Villeneuve managed to get with the first Sicario. The highlight of which was when they were ambushed trying to go back into Mexico in Humvees mm-hmm. uh, because they're being escorted by... We're talking about part one. No, this no, is the second okay. movie. Do they have another Humvee scene? Yeah, they have a Humvee scene, but... Of uh, course. Yeah. Uh, this time they're being ambushed by uh, the escorts who are Mexican federal police. Because they were bought off by the cartel and they oh, start the shooting them, like, and it's a minigun like shooting into the Humvee and it's just like hitting against the bulletproof glass. Okay. And it's just this one continuous shot inside the Humvee while there's like bullets and explosions because there's like a rocket launch in the distance, and it feels just so claustrophobic and contained and you know very tense, quiet inside the Humvee when outside everything is going crazy, mm. and it's very effective because you feel like you're stuck in the Humvee with all the other uh, characters. Shout out to Humvee for having the best soundproofing apparently. <laughs> well, no, like, it's, not, it's not quiet, but it's like, you know, just loud, like, uh, it's not like you're out in the open, but okay. you can you can feel like uh, the walls closing in because the I see. shield is starting to crack. Yeah, it's weird sound design because cars are generally designed to be not soundproof so you can hear horns. So if you can't really hear a minigun, like, eh, what's going no, on here? I mean, again, you can hear it, but it's kind of muted because still, it's not like, you know, out in the open. I see, I see. But that's the point. That was a good action scene. And then there are a couple of other good action scenes. Like, in the end, there are two Black Hawks who kind of swoop over. Of course. And just start gunning down uh, this um, little motorcade. So the action's 
pretty decent. That's the only good point about this movie. I guess that's what probably this movie is like designed for. It's like big dumb action movie, and uh, especially in this day and age where it's a bit touchy feely when you want to do your jingoistic military. That's, this shooters. is the point. It felt either this was so poorly timed, or this was definitely pushed by someone who voted for Trump in Hollywood. I doubt so. I think this is more along the lines of like I have this idea for a great action movie, but we need to wrap it around a story, and the story was probably weak as sauce, like weak sauce. So they were like thinking, we make it a Sicario movie. Yeah, and the thing is, the reason why the first Sicario movie worked was because you had the morally grey Josh Brolin and Mr. Del Toro doing definitely illegal shit to get things done. But yeah. you had Emily Blunt and Anthony Mackie. She's like Mackie. the moral compass of Yeah, sorts. she was the grounded, grounded, naive, but, you know, definitely had a strong moral code of what was right and what was wrong. And when she realized she was totally in over her head, she kind of collapsed and like had to be taken out because she just wasn't fit for just how horrible this thing was instead they focus on just josh brolin who is a terrible human being like he is kept on purely the actor or the character the character <laughs> josh brolin is i like the way you just referring to him as josh brolin well it's because i can't remember his character name like it's sam something sam thanos yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, uh, Josh Brolin beat his wife, so it's not like he's like you know the perfect person either. With the Infinity Gauntlet too, sir. Yeah, <laughs> made half his marriage disappear. <laughs> 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 That's time well, jam. So Smash. A person like Emily Blunt's yeah. character, it just feels like oh, it's just two bad guys doing bad things. Yeah, the That's closest it. we have is the teenage girl, who, by the way, is the daughter of a cartel leader, mm -hmm. who gets in trouble because she beat up a girl in school who called her a bitch. I would beat up any girl in yeah. school who called me a bitch. Yeah. So like she was called she was called like I think like a cartel whore and bitch. So she a puta. Yeah. Puta. <laughs> yeah. And so she ruined this other girl's face and then she's like she's in this staring contest with her dean saying, I should expel you and she went, Go ahead. Okay. I didn't think so. Just <gasps> walked out. And then she became like the like I'm a scared teenager, I don't know what's going on later on in the movie. It's like have some consistent fucking characters for Jesus Christ's sake. No, but the thing is, maybe she didn't know that her family was off yet. No. She did know. Like, she wouldn't have stared down her dean if she didn't know her father was a cartel leader. But then once she, she realizes that she doesn't have the power of her daddy anymore, maybe then she had to like kind of I don't know, regress. Maybe, maybe but she suddenly become like this like uh Kind of like the uh, innocent virgin that must be rescued trope part way through. Yeah, I mean, you need a damsel in distress. So it sounds like the switch was a bit too quick. I would say this film? is more in the faults of repurposing whatever the original script was because the thing is, right, you needed yeah. some reason to get Benicio Del Toro to come back because basically he got his revenge at the end of the first movie. Yeah. So what, like else, what else would keep him? What else sequel, would keep though? his character around, right? Exactly. And the point is that he's brought back into the movie because he's moved to Bogota and... Josh Brolin's character comes back and says, I need you back because we're going to start a war with this cartel guy who killed your family. And that's why he comes back. Which doesn't make sense at all because like yeah. his character would have no reason. But unless, of course, okay, so, I don't know, spoilers, does he kill the daughter in the end? No, the daughter, uh, in the end... Um, he doesn't finish what he started. No, because the, they're not trying to kill the daughter, they're trying to kill her father. But the father's dead. I, it, that's the thing this movie is so confused okay. and it's definitely going back on what they achieved or maybe they're trying to pretend that the last 20 minutes of Sicario didn't happen I don't know what they're trying to 
proof. It's strange to think that Sicario would want to start a universe where they had to retcon the first movie immediately in the it's second one. Super strange, considering that the first. I mean, you, you got to retcon something because it's crap. But Sicario one was not crap. That's it was sure. not. It's an amazing yeah. piece of filmmaking, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Why the retcon in the first place? Yeah. And so the thing is that this movie is definitely a step backwards because there are almost no redeemable Mexican characters. They're all either thugs. Or cartel leaders, or, or just s- or stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being serious. This okay. is very. That's, um, that's definitely badly written. This is when a jingoistic, xenophobic movie. Mm. And I, the part where they go to Somalia to kill a pirate uh, yeah. trove, and then you know, start which doesn't make sense because Somalia is like not a hop, skip, and a jump away, sir. It's no. like literally across an ocean. So from Mexico all the way to the Somalia, Africa, sir. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know. He's killing pirates fam- to boot. <laughs> no, he's killing this pirate's family members, but he's not trying to say he's not punished for it. He has no kind of like oh, like morally mm. gray area. But it's just like oh, I'm doing this because this is what needs to be done. Okay. It's a very kind of ends justify means kind of bullshit, which is what is currently being pushed in today's political climate. And I don't in America. I yeah. don't want to start beating that horse because no, let, let e- other e- media do that for yeah. you. Yeah. Everyone else is talking about it. But I'm just saying that. It's a very irresponsible movie at this point in I time. I guess so, because I think why you would have brought this up is basically because, like, you know, based on the merits of the first movie, which is had a, something to say. There was a statement there. Yeah, and also, like, the moment when they, like, capture all the people trying to flee into the States, mm. they definitely try to present these people as just people who want to have a better life. Yeah, They're especially not that scene where they were, like, pointing at the map in the first movie. I remember yeah. that, like, oh, this guy knows where the, you know, the tunnel is. And he's yeah. like, y- you don't look at them as, like, you know, uh, faceless, helpless, like, statistics. Like, oh, these are people. Yeah, or the bit where they're saying, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, these are just people and they're frightened and scared, but they're doing this because... It'd be so cool if one of them said, like... Mm-hmm. New York. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, That's a bit of you're, a walk. You're keen. <laughs> oh, no. One said Vancouver. I was like, <laughs> I hate to tell you, sir, but. Um, <laughs> There's another wall. <laughs> There's another wall waiting for you over there. Uh, yeah. Especially if you listen to South Park's rules. What's South Park's rules? Uh, they've built a wall in South Park on the Canadian border. Uh, oh, is it recently? Yeah. I've lost track. It's been a while since I caught it's it with in, South uh, Park. Fract- I, I, I in thought Canada was 8 bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 8 bit? I mean, this is a reference to the uh, South Park game. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not really too much else to say apart from, you know, the characters are all over the place. Mm. Like, uh, Benicio del Toro, he's a great actor and he yeah. does his best, but he oscillates between cold blooded killer and treating the cartel's daughter, cartel leader's daughter, as the daughter he lost. Okay. Like, there's this really weird scene when it's just the two of them walking through the desert in northern Mexico. And I come across this dirt poor farmer who's deaf. Yeah. And he starts speaking uh, Mexican sign, uh, Spanish sign language. Okay. Just out of the blue, he knows Mexican sign language. Who? Benicio del Toro? Yeah. And he's like, oh, my daughter was deaf. I'm like, I don't remember that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, it's like, I saw the guy, like, he was deaf. It's like, he can speak sign language, can't he? Yep. There we go. There's the sign language. Mm. I mean, like, but visually, it was probably an interesting scene, right? It was. Because I ca- of me, we're talking about it. Yeah, I can see why they tried to do it. They tried to make see show the tender side of this guy who's been doing nothing but killing people. But it just felt tonally it felt forced, off. 
I guess so. It felt like they said, okay, we can't make him an irredeemable monster because otherwise, why would the cartel leader's daughter cry when they're separated and she thinks he's and then dead? And this is when I'm going to bring up the first movie where he was an irredeemable monster. Yeah. He off the entire... He killed his kids before he killed the guy he was going yeah. after. And it was because Emily Blunt was there to be the moral person you could, you know, uh, empathize with. Whereas this one, they wanted to make him the guy you empathize with. So mm. they said, oh, he really has a heart work. of gold. No. no. It's like... Sicario yeah, he needed like an Emily Bunt to kind of like remind him of the like you know the the, the best in humanity maybe exactly so because Josh Brolin and Vinicius Toro worked on the first Sicario because they were fucking monsters yep but they were monsters on what you hoped was the right team and it was kind it of like basically ends justify the means yeah but it, it was a kind of Dennis Villeneuve saying like this is the shit you enable when you have this kind of it's not of black and white yeah, it's like, when you have yeah, a hardline stance yeah. to cartels and border patrols this is the shit you enable it's meant to be like a warning story whereas this is like saying but it's cool though look at these awesome men with big yeah. guns I, it's kind of macho bravado bullshit which I thought that we'd gotten over you know what the thing is right there's also a part of me that I will easily forgive my jingoistic military shooters if they're blatantly self-aware yeah because like like one of my favorite of this genre is the Rambo series whereas the first Rambo movie First Blood was a it's harrowing a, tale of PTSD yeah it's a damning it indictment is. of how veterans were fucked over after and the Vietnam War and then in part War. 2 he goes to Vietnam and kills Vietnamese guys to rescue Colonel Troutman and I was like I'm fine and in part 3 he was on the side of the Taliban remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. to fight the Russians okay, so okay, I like remember that my favourite line for Rambo 3 this is blue light what does blue light do it gives a blue light <laughs> <laughs> clever awesome yeah or I'll do another one. Another one which was like, you know, definitely jingoistic machismo is Predator. I watched the that. The first Predator. The first Predator. You haven't seen part two? Not yet. Part two is very much like Sicario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except of an alien. Except, yeah, we're not killing Mexicans, we're killing uh, Jamaican Jamaican alien. <laughs> Jamaican alien, yeah. <laughs> Who looked like the Predator? I mean, yeah. like, I was wondering, like, oh, they all have dreadlocks. <laughs> Never mind. You finally saw Predator? They can, they I can, did. They can blend in real fast. Amazing movie, right? <laughs> it's a great movie. I, I was watching this with my wife, and we're like, oh, this is definitely a product of the, of the 80s. And yeah. then, uh, then there's a scene in the helicopter where he says, you're a bunch of faggots. It's like, this is definitely a movie from the 80s. <laughs> Why don't you chew on this tobacco like me and be, be a sexual tyrannosaurus? Yeah, like <laughs> like a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. God damn it, Blaine. I love <laughs> all his lines, you know. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> You're bleeding, Blaine. It's Shane Black. You're bleeding, Blaine. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> you got time to duck? <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, uh, gosh. I love Shane Black's death in that uh, movie. Mm-hmm. He just gets splattered and dragged away. <laughs> he gets annihilated by a log or something. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Still not the best. The best death is still fucking uh, uh, Carl Weathers playing. I forgot. Uh, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Dylan. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> World's manliest handshake. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I was watching the movie, just like you know, like grinning at each other, and like doing arm wrestle. I turned to my wife and said, "They're gonna fuck later." <laughs> No, no. The, the, the Hold on. The entire scene where they're setting traps for the predator and they all had their shirts off. Yeah. Did you start ovulating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wow. Look at these glistening. <laughs> like, I've met actual soldiers. Nobody's that ripped. Yeah. So especially, I forgot just how obscene Arnold Schwarzenegger was in his prime. Like, those arms. That's not his prime. 
His prime was when he was Mr. Olympia like 10 years earlier when yeah. he did Conan movies. He couldn't bend his arms properly to get the sword from his back. <laughs> he was too muscular to take it. Yeah, he was. His, his, his shoulders, his deltoids were just too ridiculous. That it, yeah, but it, he had to lose weight to be in Predator. Like, my Think about that. My dad described him as a condom full of walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I describe Henry Cavill in his Superman suit. Yes! <laughs> he is too muscular. Superman that shouldn't be buff. That bastard is a brick wall. No, but then again, say, no, we'll, we'll have a lot of conversations about Mr. Kevin later in the Mission Impossible yeah. segment. Let me finish with my, my review of Sicario de Soldado. Yes. It's a uh, 2 out of 10. Two tacos out of one burrito? <laughs> no. 10 burritos, right? Two tacos out of 50 tamales. 50 tamales? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, senor. Well, because <laughs> tamales are very small, so kind of like they group together. What are you saying, sir? <laughs> well, whatever. On that unpleasant note, yeah. <laughs> let's la cucaracha out of here. <laughs> Sheesh. So, Sicario, uh, Day of the Soldado. Is an irredeemable, jingoistic, racist piece of shit. Which isn't self-aware to be line. fun. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's like two tacos for the action scenes. We yeah. already established tacos, yes. sir. Like, <laughs> I like tacos. Uh, there's a scene where... I'm sure you like a lot of food, I, sir. The most unbelievable part of the movie is in the aftermath where they kill the federal Mexican police in the ambush. Uh-huh. And he said, the president has, is going to be impeached if he continues this. It's like, no, he wouldn't. He would be made God Emperor for life in this, today's climate. You think? Yeah, if hmm. if Trump killed Mexican um, policemen. Well, yeah, then you get your Pablo Escobar where it's like the people will side with, you know, the more... Uh, with the sort of common man even though he's kind of rich yeah, yeah. and dealing drugs and... No, but I think it's like... I like the fact that the first Sakari movie actually brought to light the plight of what was going on along the borders and also yeah. at the same time it didn't give you like uh, a heavy-handed like look at like okay we're doing our best they're doing no it's like no nobody is gonna win this war yeah. it was a That's heavily nuanced yeah. and directed by a guy who probably understood that culture and I mean Villeneuve is Mexican right? If no he's French he's Canadian French Canadian yeah Oh, why do I always assume? Oh, I'm thinking of uh, like Alfonso Cuarón or something. Yeah. No. Shit. I'm sorry. Different movie. Yeah. Although I would love to see Cuarón do a cartel movie. It would probably be. You know what? Yeah, I would like to see one done from the inside of the cartel because like the closest we had was like Narcos, which was fine. Yeah, you did like yeah. the first season, right? I like the first yeah. two seasons. I didn't know why they need to be a third season since we killed off the Escobar season, in the second the one. The first season was fine. There was. What did they do? Uh, they killed off the uh, the remaining cartel. cartels. Uh, uh, God, what are they called? Not the Medellin cartel, the other one. The other one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's call it the Juan Cortez cartel. Uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, the Coco cartel. I miss my grandmother. It was. <laughs> it wasn't as good, but I still enjoyed it. Okay. Apparently, in the fourth one, they're going to do Mexico. Wait, there was a fourth one? Yeah, they're, they're making a fourth one. Yeah. yeah. Someone got killed by the cartels. Um, like in real life, got killed by the cartels right, while right. doing uh, location scouting. Damn. So, yep. like, oh, hey, source material. <laughs> Set. The job will kill you. Yeah. So, bottom line is, uh, don't watch this movie. Watch uh, the first one. Yeah, watch the first one because it's a great uh, exploration yeah. of a really un- uncomfortable truth. The second one is a power fantasy made by a racist. <laughs> <laughs> very, very clear differences. Yeah, there we the go. Two. By some <laughs> Italian guy, like, yeah, we kill all the brown people. <laughs> well, yeah, he's Italian. Arriba, Arriba. Right. Yeah, Italians the go Arriba. <laughs> Italians are very racist. <laughs> yeah, they would say that, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. What Mexicans? No, yeah, the Italians would say something like that. Yes, Italians would say Italians are racist. Yeah. <laughs> <That too>? Yes, <laughs> sure. You know what? As an Asian person, 
all white people yeah. racist <laughs> yeah I'll just generalize it like that I'm not racist how can I be racist I'm not white ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, brown privilege my favorite <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of brown privilege, no, there's no brown privilege, but we have, uh, well, from that, uh, impossibly... From one power <laughs> fantasy to the next. Okay, speaking of sequels that... Did we ask for this? And Apparently a lot of people do for Mission Impossible at the very least, a I mean, franchise like, that's based off the old TV it's, show. It's an event. Back in the day. Yep. It's definitely a piece of event cinema, which I don't think anyone asks for, but everyone is kind of interested in. I would yeah. say this, right? The only person who asked for this is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because, I mean, like... He's still paying alimony ca- to Katie Holmes. <laughs> is he? Probably. And Nicole Kidman. Yeah. They and sound the fir- expensive. And, <laughs> and the first one as well. And the first one as well. Whose name... Uh, Wait, who else did he marry apart from Katie and Nicole? Uh, the, 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 his first marriage was for three years, 87 to 90. I know who she is. I just can't remember the name right yeah. now. Not Elizabeth Shue, right? No. No. Okay. no. no, 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 no. So, uh, Tom Cruise, who is, to me... The last living Hollywood movie star from a bygone era who's still working and still kind of relevant and today. still kind of looks the same. I mean, he aged a little bit, but you could you can't tell. He, he still looks good. He to this day. looks about the same age as he was in the like third Mission Impossible. Yeah. He is a fifty-year-old man. He's fifty-six. He's fifty-six. He's approaching sixty. He's the same age as most of your dads right now, he, and yeah. he's doing way more with younger women. He is. <laughs> He and, he, and he looks like he just came out like after, 20, after his 25th birthday or something. He just came out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he came out on the South Park episode. Yes, that too. <laughs> Don't let Scientology hear this. So, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, disclaimer, uh, we love Scientology. <laughs> we love ed- everything scientific. It's the best religions ever. You guys, best you guys religions. <laughs> best religions ever. Right, uh, right next to Jedi. <laughs> You know, like, sure, yeah, so, like, uh, uh, no offense, uh, please, Isaac Hayes, don't sue us or yeah. quit our show. Is he our chef? No, he's not our chef. No, he's not. Yeah, Battlefield Earth not was anymore. an amazing movie. Yeah, <laughs> he gave that's wink, wink. Billy Pepper a career. <laughs> no, he didn't. It our fate and levels are adequate. Mines are over 9,000, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, okay, full disclaimer also, I'm a huge fan of the Mission Impossible TV series, and I love some of the movies, though, like... You know what? The thing is, I want to give props where props is due. Uh, unlike, say, a Marvel franchise, they don't feel the need to shit one out every year. Yeah, they they put time between these. Let me just say this, guys. There's been six movies in 22 years. Longer. There's Do the no 22, 1996. There was a huge, was oh, a huge break between the third and the fourth. 1996 was the very first Mission Impossible movie, yeah. and uh, I think it beat Titanic. No, it didn't beat Titanic. Nothing beats Titanic. I think it beat, no. it beat something... Uh, I think it was number one, but let me Titanic just... Check s- my research. Titanic just stayed in the box office for like... I think a year weeks. later, Tom Cruise did Minority Report, right? It was mm, a year later? No, way, way later than that. No, no, I was Mission Impossible 2. I think Minority Report was 2005? Let me get my no, notes. No, it was 2000-ish. So yes, uh, no, okay, I didn't mean Titanic. Titanic would be a, like a couple of years later, but okay, yeah. so it was the highest grossing film of 1996. In fact, the Mission Impossible franchise has been in the top three of every release. I think it's been number one a few times. Release. Yeah. Not for every film. It's Not for every film, but... Didn't have a number one debut for everyone? It had for the first one. The first one beat Jurassic Park. What the fuck? That's what I was. Mm. That, that's what I mistook it for. So, uh, Lost it, World or so uh, it had to be Lost World, right? It broke the record for film opening with 11.8 mil- million, beating Terminator 2: Judgment Day by a scant 0.1 million. Wow! And Terminator 2 was a big deal when it came out yeah. back then. And then, like uh, it was 91, I think. Right? 90. Yeah, 91. 
And yeah, so it grows in the first six days. The, or, the original Mission Impossible movie grossed seventy-five million dollars, surpassing Jurassic Park. And that's which only took in fifty-six million. And that's ninety-six money. That's ninety-six money. So, yeah. so adjusted for inflation, that's about ninety million in today's money. So, like you know, according to my calculations here, but apparently, uh, the entire franchise, altogether, six movies, two billion dollars. That's in revenue. That's a shit. Uh, wow. That's, that's a. Fucked on a change, sir. That's yeah. more than the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And here's 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 something even more interesting. Uh, this was famously uh, Tom Cruise for the first movie because he's such a fan of the entire series, the, I mean the TV series, and why he signed on to do the movie. He didn't uh, get his usual twenty million dollar paycheck. He just wanted percentage. He did it for scale. He did it for scale. Wow, smartest move ever. Because yeah. this is bankrolling. All the alimony money, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, right? Um, you also have to understand, like, no, like the reason why they don't shit out a Mission Impossible movie every year, because once in a while, Tom Cruise will do like interview with a vampire, Magnolia, Few Good Men, Jack Reacher, Jerry Maguire. This guy is a living legend in consistency. Yeah. Because the thing is, right? Even his worst movies, like something as boring as maybe uh, Oblivion, yeah. or something as a little bit too Vanilla Sky, would Vanilla be a bit Sky, cra- crazy. Yeah. Like, cause the, the only problem I have with Vanilla Sky was when they Americanized it. Like the original uh, Italian movie, I don't know, Italian, the Spanish movie, shit. Mm. I can't remember the title right now, but it's probably also named Vanilla Sky mm-hmm. with uh, Penelope Cruz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like you know, and then they replaced it with Tom Cruise, wrong Cruise, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that you know, Tom Cruise is what. Probably something like, I would say the best uh, parallel example would be like a Ryan Gosling, where he does yeah. like the genre movies, and he can also be a romantic lead, like Notebook, and he can also do like the most cerebral stuff, like maybe Blade Runner, or even more abstract stuff with uh, like you know. Only God knows the most violent. Like film. Drive. Or Drive as well. Yeah, like yeah. No, yeah. all those Nicholas Winding Refn movies. Yeah, yeah. And like place beyond the pines. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, right? Uh, the thing is, like Ryan Gosling has he made his decade yet? He, he's he's been around for ten years almost, right? Longer, cause he he's I mean, not he counting his Musketeer days. Like, talk, okay. just saying his as a as a movie starting star, from his first film up till now. Because yeah. the it's not ten years was yet. Two thousand and and that's when he was a thing. Five. Yeah. yeah so yeah, cause half Nelson was earlier. Oh, right? after that. Oh, after that. After, okay. So, like, The Notebook was definitely his starring role. And then you have to understand, like, somebody like Tom Cruise, who came out of nowhere with risky business back in 1980-fuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, then he Yeah, did it was Risky Business, Top Gun. And then Cocktail. <laughs> yeah, Cocktail, yeah. And then yeah. all these other, like... Born on the 4th of July as well. Born on the 4th of July. God damn it. Like, an yeah. Oscar-worthy performance. And, like, you know, Tom Cruise can literally do no wrong. And I'm kind of annoyed by the fact that everybody needs to like take him down a peg. He's short enough as it is. <laughs> but you know, like because like, oh he's a weird Scientologist. Well, yeah. Because That's like kind of his private life you've per been, se. Like if you've been a movie star for that long and you've been in the public eye, like since the eighties, it does chip away at the Some brings of your sanity. You yeah, know I mean like I mean look at just people like John pe- Travolta. Look at Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay, look at all these people who are suffering from lack of privacy. And you have to understand, like, and then now the thing is, right, when you put him in, like, a situation where, okay, we're now taking away the limelight, which you've been so accustomed to, and you can kind of sense, like, okay, like, I would say the Mission Impossible franchise is a passion project, but it's Mm -hmm. also a vanity vehicle. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, he'll do a Jack Reacher, but he wants to do Mission Impossible. And there's also that very sincere, genuine feeling that he loves the shows. 
Mm. And like he, you can tell, like especially when you see all the post-production trailers and all the yeah. making of stuff, is like he really cares. He's putting his life on the line every goddamn week. for all the stunts or most of them. At the yes, he's like American Jackie Chan. He is <laughs> the first actor ever to do a full-on Halo jump. It's crazy. Stuff. And he was 55 when they filmed that scene. He's really and, <laughs> and he did that scene after he broke his ankle in another stunt mm-hmm. handfully healed when he jumped out of that fucking plane yeah literally I mean like he's like very famously in uh, Mission Impossible 3 when he gets slammed against a car from a missile explosion yeah. he broke his ribs and, and he still finished the scene <laughs> and people <laughs> cheered in the cinema when that happened that was the height of Tom Cruise hate uh, really? 2005 yeah that was after his uh, Oprah bullshit because uh, that's, ex- that's exactly the thing because people take his personal life into account when it when, they when it comes to his acting as which well is which is nothing you to do with anything yeah. because it's like okay he's a Scientologist yeah he's a bit of a weird guy yeah, yeah he's kind of ruining Katie Holmes for the rest of us but you kind of need to separate that personal uh, bit with the actual then work like, he's yeah, done you and know? also even his private life isn't that clear cut because apparently he went on Top Gear and um, once they finished filming apparently a woman fainted in the uh, an audience and he went and gave her C- CPR and kept her like well until the he's a normal guy who's just trying to deal with fame in a way that he understands no best. he's yeah. a fucking psycho mm-hmm. who we have been graced upon that thank god he's an actor and not anything else but what made him a psycho uh, and uh, that's, how, it, and how that's can, a chicken and, and egg question right so, there and how can he be psychopathic what has he done that would really you know tantamount to being psychopathic all the all stunts he's still doing by himself Exactly. Well, wouldn't you think that's more in Lon's lines of like, maybe he has something to prove because he used to be a big shit movie star 20 years in a row. And now he's entering his like third or fourth decade as a movie star. Yeah. So he kind of wants to make All right. prove himself like, again. To say, Harrison Ford shits. can't do this anymore. Yeah. Bruce Willis looks ridiculous when he does this anymore. Like, you know the thing the is? The Die Hard 5 especially. Like when you see fucking Tom Cruise fall and get punched and like, you know, get slammed against things and like he, he actually yelps out in pain. Yeah, I believe him. <laughs> yeah. That looks painful. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, but you know, enough about Tom Cruise. I mean, he's a fantastic actor. Like, God damn it. Like, thank you for a few good men. Mm. Thank you for, like, Magnolia. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow is also. Edge of, of Tomorrow, which is going to get a sequel. Thank you for that. Okay, a very underrated science fiction yeah, that action was the movie. F- first film in a while I watched and went, oh, yeah, Tom Cruise is actually a good actor. He's not just a running man. Well, yeah, that's been a running joke since what, probably the first <laughs> mission. <laughs> yes. Running joke, huh? Yeah. I and, where else know. has he been running? Huh? No, he ran in Jerry Maguire. He's too, right? run yeah, in yeah, yeah. almost every film. Almost every film. Even like The Firm, he was running. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, the that's firm. a great film. Man, uh, and that's the thing. is like, it's kind of sad to think that, you know, we're not giving the dramatic roles to Tom Cruise anymore because like, yeah, we have Ryan Gosling now and like, in a kind of sad world where we need to age out these guys, I'm just thankful that we didn't have to put him in an Expendables movie. <laughs> that, I that, think I'm very glad off, that yeah. uh, he probably he's butted heads with... Um, he's too good for that. I would, Stallone. Say that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he's way too good for that. Yo, him with Michael Mann and Jamie Foxx and Collateral. Oh my that God! Was yes, goddamn amazing. Movie. Yeah, and that's that's what I want. I want to see. I want to see Tom Cruise go as far as he can because, like, another thing you also have to kind of know that he is a man who is strangely generous with uh, his ability to make you in Hollywood. Because you have yeah. to understand, is like basically, if it wasn't for Tom Cruise, J.J. Abrams wouldn't have a film director career. Yeah, because when he made Mission Impossible Three, it was just the alias guy. 
who done one season of Literally. Lost. Literally, and that was his. That was like a big break of sorts. That right? was his audition because basically that was his first major movie. Yeah, that was his first movie. Yeah, he, his first movie was a Mission Impossible movie, and it did very well. And it gave us Philip Seymour Hoffman in for full. S- Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, for some people, that's the best Mission Impossible movie. I would say. Yeah, I would agree. W- part three is like my favorite. I can watch that again. Mm. Whereas like most of the others in the series is like I will watch part one once in a while just to see Emilio Estevez. Like, mm. Oh, he's in this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of forgot about him, Emilio Estevez. And it's probably one. one of the better Jean Reno uh, moments. Yeah, one of the better. Yeah. Mm, yeah okay, I guess. Yeah. I think. What do you guys w- think of the second one anyway? I mean, it was it was lucky as fun. <laughs> yeah. it was I mean, fun. it's heavily stylized and very much a. T- <laughs> early 2000s movie I think it's basically that's what happens when like you know how John Woo was kind of limited by what was available to him in Hong Kong and then if you give him like Hollywood money and Hollywood clout and like Tom Cruise basically saying do whatever you want then you have scenes of them like fighting on motorcycles riding the bike about to crash and just bump into each other so anyway you know what Uh, I've established enough that I'm a bit of a Mission Impossible fan yes you are a a slight Tom Cruise fan so uh, we, we shall uh, do something that has uh, been missing on the last king for a long time. Uh, what we is shall, that? We shall be having a quiz. A quiz. A quiz. One that I've not written. One that you have not written, sirs. Yes. So uh, yes, we're gonna do a uh, brief Mission Impossible quiz. If you choose the to answer quiz? any of these questions, yes. And uh, the theme of this quiz is that it, the, the, qu- the answers are impossible. <laughs> This is going to be difficulty level uh, Master Ninja. Yay. And then we're going to go straight into the full uh, Mission Impossible Fallout review. Yep. Okay. Which is ba- basically my favorite Fallout so far. S- since it doesn't have multiplayer. <laughs> Shots fired. Ouch. So, uh, uh, Mr. Toffee, can you give me a little bit of an intro there? Mm, yep. This is intro. Theme song, please. All right, right. <laughs> dum, 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 Gentlemen, dum, dum, this is the Mission Impossible dum, quiz, Last King Edition. Dum, dum, dum. These questions have been designed to fuck with you. Question one. So, uh, shall we do it like in the old Ron Ron Robin style where I go back and forth? Yeah, back and forth. Okay, so uh, I'm going to point straight at uh, our history nerd here. uh, Yay! So, um, (sighs) when did the original TV series Mission Impossible debut? Is it number one, 1966? Number two, 1988? Number three, 1976 number 4 1956 or number 5 2006 mm, I'm gonna go if because my father was a fan uh, 1966 you are correct you have one point yay Ting. <laughs> so uh, now I'm gonna go over to Mr. Toffee here uh, Mr. Toffee Yo. this is gonna be uh, not a multiple choice uh, for uh, for your question Name all the directors in sequence Ooh. of the current film franchise. Ooh. There's been six of them. Yes. And we've established that one did it twice. So you'll need to give me five names. Yeah. In sequence, that's really mean. So in that, the very first one was... I can only answer this. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the first one. Okay, so... Are we going pa- to blank out? Are we going to pass the centric no, 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 I'm going to blank out the first one. You're um, going to blank out the first one? Yeah. It has to be in sequence, sir. Okay. Your best guess. Just say Who director, director the first in one? 1996. Okay, Christopher Columbus. Probably <laughs> wrong with that one. That's for sure. Uh, John <laughs> you know what? I would love to see a Christopher Columbus <laughs> Mission Impossible okay. because it'd be like basically Macaulay Culkin <laughs> <laughs> setting up traps for spies. It would okay. just basically be the fifth Home Alone movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, John Woo. Okay, Brad Bird. No, no, J.J. Uh, Abrams. Okay, Brad Bird and Christopher McQuarrie. You don't get any points because you. 
You, you, you flopped the first one. The first one was uh, directed by uh, Mr. Brian De Palma. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Brian, Brian De Palma. Directed the first Mission Impossible Jesus. movie, boys and girls. Okay. So n- uh, now we are going back to uh, Eccentric Tom. Uh, Yay. So for this question, um, so we're all very much aware of uh, the pastiche that is the, the tape scene. Yeah. So uh, which of this is incorrect? This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Self-destruct in 10 seconds. This tape will decompose 60 seconds after breaking of the seal. Or this tape, please dispose of or destroy this recording in the usual manner. Which is incorrect. Uh, I would say the second one, 10 seconds. The second one, you are wrong. Oh. You get zero points. All of those have occurred at any point in time <laughs> because the tape is not consistently 5 seconds or 10 seconds and actually the very uh, first Mission Impossible which is episode 1 of the TV show yes this tape will decompose 60 seconds after breaking the seal wow so all of them are correct yeah because like there's been several uh, different ways of presenting the dossier mm. I mean like yeah. traditionally yeah everybody recognizes the tape sequence but you know there's other factors going in so <coughs> Going to Mr. Toffee. This should be actually more fun for you because this is a music theme question. So, who has contributed music to Mission Impossible? Be it original song, played the theme, or a version of it. Number one, Lalo Schifrin. Number two, Adam Clayton. Number three, Larry Mullen. Number four, Hans Zimmer. Number five, Ellen Sevilstri. Or number six, Limbiscuit. Wait, so you want me to pick one or all? <laughs> Who has contributed? I'm going to say all of them. All of them? Yes. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Limbiscuit <laughs> was in the second one. Like, yes, okay. <laughs> yep. And the others are definitely just a hit and miss. Yep, definitely. Because like uh, the original team was uh, designed and composed by the Mr. Lalo right? Schifrin. Yeah. Yes, and uh, Hans Zimmer, Alan Silvestri. Actually, no, Alan Silvestri was... Uh, he did it for a while and then he was replaced. He was replaced by Hans Zimmer, right? Was I think so, yeah. Because I remember it was either everybody had a shot film. at the theme, mm. and like basically, like I also wanted to add in Metallica, but that doesn't really count because they just contributed an original song. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you remember, like that that was the first Metallica song to ever get leaked. Mm. Was the I Disappear song from Mission Impossible Two? Oh. oh. Okay. Which is like a little bit of fun internet history for you boys and girls out there. Okay, so let's do a a more historical question for uh, Eccentric Tom here. Hmm, it's almost as if you planned these round-robin questions. Of course. (laughs) So, uh, for the history buff, who wasn't a cast member of the original show? Wasn't. Hmm. Is it Peter Graves? Is it Walter Matthau? Greg Morris? Barbara Brain? I'm sorry, Barbara Bain? Or Leonard Nimoy? Hmm. Who wasn't a cast member? Can I have the names again? Okay. Uh, Peter Graves. Yep. Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. Greg Morris. Barbara Bain. Or Leonard Nimoy. I'm going to say uh, the middle name. The middle name? Uh, Greg Morris. Greg Morris, yeah. So Greg Morris was the lead in the original Mission <laughs> <laughs> Impossible <laughs> series. He played Bernard Barney Collier. Yeah. So you're wrong. There we go. <laughs> The correct answer is they were all cast members of the original. I remember Leonard Nimoy was in the show. He's the one who replaced Walter Matthau. Ah. He became uh, he was the great Paris who re- uh, replaced uh, Walter Matthau, who was I think he was uh, something Rollins, uh, if I'm, uh, Rollins hand. Mm. So he was the guy who did uh, like the face changing. Ah, right, right. 
Okay, so uh, I'm going to throw this back to uh, Mr. Toffee here. So, um, who wasn't a cast member in any of the current movie franchise? Number one, Emilio Estevez. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned him, right? Yes, yep. you did. Damn it. Jean Reno. Shit. <laughs> Simon Pick. Shit. <laughs> okay, Jeremy Renner, Kerry Russell, or Lawrence Fishburne? Who wasn't a cast member? I don't think Kerry Russell was in it. You are wrong. Oh. He was in the. She was in the third one. Once again, Shit. all of them were in. <laughs> all of them oh, right, right. <laughs> were in Mission Impossible movie at any point of time. Wait, who was Carrie Russell again in the third one? She played Lindsay Farris, I think. So yeah, she was girl character. She was friend of J.J. Abrams. Okay. Because J.J. Oh. Abrams yeah, did Felicity. Felicity guy, right. <laughs> so. Was she the one who uh, whose face went bleh when the the thing exploded in her brain? Probably. I think yeah. all their faces went bleh when they saw Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Another historical question. Yay. So this is for Eccentric Tom. So I did mention actress Barbara Bain as yeah. the, the first female operative for the Mission Impossible TV series. Yeah. So uh, what was her character's name? Is it Cinnamon Carter? <laughs> Pepper Parker? Jesus Christ. Ginger God. Jeffries? Pussy Galore? Or Sexpot Honey Kitten? Well, I know Pussy Galore is a Bond girl. You're correct on that, but you won't get a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Cinnamon Parker. You mean Cinnamon Carter? Cinnamon Carter, yeah. You are correct. You get another point. Yay! <laughs> Such so, f- so far, what's the score? 2-1. Uh, 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. Yep. Okay. So, I'm going to throw this to uh, Mr. Toffee here. What does IMF stand for? Impossible Mission Federation. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your final answer, sir? No, 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 no. Come on, be more 80s about it. Be more 60s about it. What what does IMF stand for? They all work for IMF. Yes, I'm trying. And it's not the International Monetary Fund. No. (laughs) What is IMF? Do you want to pass it to your centric tone? No, 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 no. Please do. I know the answer. He's dying to us. <laughs> Come on, sir. I'm sorry. I'll have to pass it over to Eccentric Tom. Eccentric Tom here. The Impossible Mission Force. Exactly. Uh, so Eccentric Tom here is now in the lead. <laughs> and we're down to our final question, which I shall make a 10-point question. <laughs> oh, shit. Just to get things interesting. Just to yeah. make things interesting and just to give Mr. Toffee a chance to... Uh, exp- redeem himself. Re- redeem himself and explore into the lead. So, okay... The final question for the Impossible Mission, Mission Impossible, uh, Last King podcast uh, edition uh, quiz. Mr. Toffee, how tall is Tom Cruise? Is he 1.7 meters, 5 feet 7 inches, about yay high, (laughs) (laughs) or a metric Mr. Toffee? (laughs) I repeat, how tall is Tom Cruise? He is, is he 1.7 meters? Five feet seven inches, about yay high, <laughs> or a metric, Mr. Toffee. Five feet seven, or all of them. You're correct. <laughs> you get ten points, and you beat eccentric Tom. That is impossible mission. Mission impossible right there. Just like Ethan Hunt, he comes back from behind and saves the day. <laughs> Mr. Toffee, I'll you think are of something. I'll think you of are something. the heavyweight world champion of Mission Impossible quizzes, and he did it on the last <laughs> second of the timer as well. Yeah. Just like Ethan Hunt would. Just like Ethan Hunt would. You know what? You could be Ethan Hunt's brother. I would call you Mike Hunt. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) 
So uh, that is your grand champion, Mr. Toffee. Uh, do you have anything Great. you want to say about the Mission Impossible Impossible quiz? How did you do it? How did you win? How I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just thought I just thought of something no, and it worked. That's literally how they explain everything <laughs> yeah. in the movie. How are you gonna do this? I don't know. I'll, I'll think of something. Out, think of something. <laughs> yeah. I just had that that Tom Cruise line playing in my head. Like, I'll, well, I'll really? figure it out. You're, I'll figure it out. You're working on it. Channeling your inner cruise, sir. Yes, inner cruise. Yeah. Yes. He was on his cruise control. If you, if you gotta, if you gotta pick a guy, a ro- good role model at the very least, maybe that actor. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy somewhere in the middle around 2000 bits. I mean, okay. out of his control. I mean, don't, still a standout guy. Don't regardless. listen to him for relationship advice. I would say, but don't listen to him for marriage advice. Maybe yeah. relationship advice because he managed to land some pretty good-looking girls. Yeah, yeah. temporarily. Yeah. Temporarily, dude. He, he, he can pull. He's fucking Tom Cruise. But okay, you know, also to kind of uh, you know wrap up the quiz properly. So uh, for the last question, I would have accepted any of those answers. Because <laughs> 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 they were all... Yeah, that's about how tall Tom Cruise is. <laughs> I mean, okay, so uh, that about ends our um, famous Last King yeah. <laughs> quiz section. We may never do this again. Where's the audience member when you need it? They all can't fit into this retarded, sir. Yeah. Oh, hey, w- it's Hids clapping for us. Hey, Thanks, Hids. Thanks, Hids. All right, fuck off again. <laughs> Back to the airlock with you. So we're going to go full into our uh, Mission Impossible Fallout review. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, thank you again for uh, listening. And um, we'll be right back. So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Mission Impossible Fallout uh, Fallout Mission Impossible uh, The sequel to Fallout 76 No, no. <laughs> Fallout 4 Fallout 5 There's been 5 Fallout games yeah. No we, it hasn't been There've been okay. more than that There've been more than that Yes We are talking about the 6 it- uh, t- uh, sequel For the Mission You're about Impossible You're 6 iteration so, Iteration yes there you This go. is 6th iteration that. It's mm-hmm. not the 6th sequel uh, yeah. It's not the 6th okay. sequel It's the 5th sequel It's the 5th sequel 6th iteration Yes so there's been six of these movies in the past 22 years, boys yeah. and girls. Which is Marvel, good. take note. You can space this shit out. Take yeah, your yeah, time. Yeah. Yes. No, like Let your audience age out so you can do smarter films later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pace it out. Yeah. Pace it out. Or, you know. But then again, you only have like a certain shelf life for Mr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Ah, he's who fine. Was, who was the thing around the same time as Tom Cruise? Yeah, let's not forget, John there are many other personas for Iron Man in the future in the comics. He's a guy in, in a CGI well. suit. You can replace him with anybody. There you go. Well, you, you did it with um, uh, War Machine. I'm sure you could do it with Iron Man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how, how weird would that be? Uh, if all, why are we talking about Marvel movies <laughs> when we should be talking about one of the greatest action movie franchises of all time with the Mission Impossible definitely uh, Fallout? Definitely the most consistent. I will agree, definitely. Apart I mean, from one wobble, I would say that each film is eminently which is your wobble for you sir the second one second one definitely right yeah because stylistically it was fun but it was tonally is a bit all over the place yeah i mean especially the part where he keeps on flipping over and crushing people's hips (laughs) to kill (laughs) (laughs) but one it was definitely style way over substance but there's one thing i want to say about the second uh, mission impossible like this is probably the beginning of the the tom cruise death wish yeah because basically like remember that final battle where he had like like a blade like millimeters over his cornea yeah that was real that was basically tied to a cable and he was actually instructing his co-star no 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 no. I want you to push as hard as you can I want to make it look as real as possible literally you know like just like what is CGI existed then sir you you don't have to go through certain lengths and I think one of the things we kind of will always have to talk about is like besides the fact that Mission Impossible has kind of 
evolved into something beyond the source material because the source material was basically an hour show that came out. There was 170 of these. Did you what? Know How it many seasons out, was this anyway? Five. Five, right? Five seasons. Like the Big Bang Theory doesn't have that many episodes. Well, to be <laughs> fair, there were only three channels back in the day. ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yeah. Okay. Which one was it? Uh, it's ABC. Oh. And like, no, because it has to be ABC because this was a Desi Lu production. Oh. Okay, okay. So, yes. Uh, so that name means nothing to me. Uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Oh, Lucille Ball. So that's their production company. There we go. They're the people who gave us also Batman. There we go. <laughs> and the I Love Lucy show. And among other things, a lot of shows that you'd be surprised, like they paid for all of that. Yes. Okay, they were ahead of time. They gave money to Bruce Lee to be in the Green Hornet. Jesus. Okay, so respect Lucille Ball, the first funny woman. I've always respected Lucille <laughs> Ball. Entrepreneur, <laughs> funny woman. I've always respected. <laughs> Triggered, are we? Yeah, I, I, ju- I, I just all caught, women. I just caught up to that one. <laughs> okay, but we'll be talking about Mission Impossible. And I mean, one thing I really want to bring up is the fact that, okay, we did kind of mention earlier before the, the segment started that this is basically, yes, we know it's a vanity project for Tom Cruise. For sure. But, you know, at least there's that genuine amount of sincerity that's attached to it because he's a fan of the show. I mean, you guys, I would say, probably not aware of the original show. Well, no. I mean, I am aware, but like, then I'm again, I wasn't really into it compared to other shows like... Because wow, I mean, maybe Miami Vice and all that. And that was like much, much later. But Mi- Miami Model. Vice actually was a product of the 80s. Yeah. And then the thing is, Mission Impossible did have a kind of a reboot TV show in uh, like 1988, I, I think. Honestly, Because this is the 30th anniversary of the reboot TV show, ah. which brought back uh, Mr... Uh, Mr. Mr. Graves, Mr. As, Graves right? yeah. as Phelps uh, have you seen a grown man naked Timmy <laughs> <laughs> our favourite airline pilot and yeah I mean, I as long as he doesn't eat the fish as long as <laughs> are you Kareem Abdul-Jabbar why are you making airplane <laughs> references all of a sudden because you started it because I started it because I remember all this shit and I mean like I was uh, introduced to Mission Impossible at, you know as a young boy through reruns and this was the kind of show that was like I was a big fan of shows like this and MacGyver where like oh you need to use your brains to solve your problems and yeah. somehow I remember my MacGyver more than Mission Impossible because maybe. MacGyver was one guy and like Mission Impossible had it the problem it had a team. crack team yeah. yeah it was a cavalcade of like people who would just rotate in and out and the thing is like yeah I mean speaking of respecting women like there's like I think the women only lasted one or two seasons each same in the movies <laughs> same as the movies no wait yeah you're right yeah uh, Ilsa is the first woman to return in a since uh, yeah, no, since no, the no, previous film, Monaghan also, like his wife. Well, yeah, but she was technically, dead. She was uh, but dead she was for an two operative. movies first. Mm. Mm. Mm, I'm gonna hurt her. <laughs> Rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, I mean, okay, but also, you know what? Thanks to Tom Cruise, Simon Peck kind of has a career. Yeah, because he's, he's not gonna do anything. He's been he's not gonna do Cornetto trilogies anymore. No, he's been in making movies yeah. now. Yeah, he's been in more Mission Impossible movies than he's been in Edgar Wright movies. How many Edgar Wright movies has he been? Just three. Three. Yeah. How many Mission Impossibles? Four. Four? Since which one? He was in the third one. Wasn't he? He was only tech support in the third one. Like, he was the one, like, directing him over phone mm. in Bangkok. And he became more and more like yeah, the yeah, guy in the right. field later yeah, on. Yeah, he was the first, f- he was first time in the field in the fourth film. Oh, yeah, now I remember. But the thing is, like, to me, Simon, like, like, I like the fact that he's upgrading all the cast. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, the only other consistent guy would be Ving Rhames. And Ving Rhames has been in all six movies. Yeah. And this guy has no reason to act anymore. I mean, he is definitely ready He's to definitely enjoying it. Like, he spends most of the time in a van. <laughs> no, but the thing is, he has a nice emotional moment in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. proper yeah. crying and everything. And, like, oh, my God, Ving Rhames is an amazing actor. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, like, Marco Clark Dunton. Michael Clark Duncan had his crying moment. I'm going to have mine. 
I don't think he's going that route, sir. No. But then again, I mean, like you're talking to a Golden Globe Award winner, sir. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think it was for the Don King movie, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Don King film. Like he, that was also when he like gave his Golden Globe to Jack Lemmon because like as actors we should all be we should give yeah. like oh, that was give one, of the, one of the sweetest moments in Golden Globes history of. You know, and like I think, uh, well, rest in peace, Jack Lemmon too, uh, yeah. a man, a man of his time as well. So, like Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, the last movie was like two years ago, longer, maybe three years ago, three years ago. Yeah. yeah, Rogue Nation, Rogue Nation, and like maybe as a sort of a. This is a the first direct continuation since four, right? I think like all the the last three movies yeah. are part of like a continuous storyline. Uh, yeah. Kinda, because the fourth one kind of gave us the idea of the syndicate, mm. and then the fifth one exploded properly, and this was like the fallout of destroying the syndicate. Yeah. Kind of like the remnants of it were, but like they seem to be the antagonist at the but beginning. They haven't established the fact that like the, I like the fact that during the opening dossier is like, okay, there's the syndicate, and these are all the apostles and all these guys we have to go after. Yeah. We're going after these guys. There might be more. So, oh, okay, you're building a universe go right ahead <laughs> I don't mind because like okay one thing I want to bring out is the like IMCU the IMCU <laughs> the <laughs> impossible <laughs> mission the cinematic, cinematic universe. universe why don't we just call it the Tom CU yeah, there we go mm-hmm. and I also want to say um, so uh, speaking of uh, returning characters where's Jeremy Renner wasn't he kind of earmarked to be a full on operative in the last this movie? is the second time this has happened to him because he was meant to be the next Jason Bourne as well. And he, and was he suppo- got cut out, right? Was it? Yeah, because the fourth uh, Jason Bourne didn't do very well. He's Jason Bourne. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, he was supposed to be in Infinity War as well. Mm-hmm. And where, what is he doing right now? Generally matter. You know what he's doing? He's working on Hurt Locker too. Oh. Locked Harder. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. <laughs> oh, man. And um, if anything... Uh, what do you guys think of the prof- the performances so far? Mm. Because like for me, you know what? This is one of the few opportunities where you actually see these characters go. They're, they're more than just like like the B team, the support to like Ethan Ethan Hunt. Yeah, they they're, definitely they're elevate definitely themselves. They have their moments. Punching yeah. well above their weight now. Speaking of Simon yeah. Pegg, huh? Yeah. In that final scene. Because <laughs> the third one is, I think, maybe still my favorite um, uh, Mission the Impossible movie. Yeah, mm. the JJ Abrams one. And but. It definitely felt like it was Ethan Hunt and team. Mm. Like everyone else was definitely playing second fiddle, which is the same because you had some proper strong people. Uh, I mean, like you Maggie can also Q kind of like uh, make the claim for the posters as well because yeah. Tom Cruise appeared in the first one and the second one solo on the poster. Yeah, only part three onwards is like, oh, there's more. Of there's these actually guys. more people helping him out as an actual operator. Well, because and Simon Pegg like had yeah, some yeah. kind of box office draw at that point. But this is like. Well into Cornetto trilogy, right? Yeah, but he had 2008 was around World's End. No, World's End was 2012. Mm. So yeah, so this, this is hot fuzz, hot fuzz, yeah, hot fuzz period, right? And this is and you have to understand like Quentin Tarantino was definitely championing like Edgar Wright and like uh, what was the uh, his friend Nick Frost, right? Yeah, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg to come over to America and like do their thing and like you know what? I'm very happy for Simon Pegg because basically one of my favorite exports and I'm I mean uh, but. Please do not do the American version of space. That was never a great idea. <laughs> no. No, leave that alone. And, I mean, he's got things to do. He's not just tech guy anymore. He's not just a goofy little Benji. But also he's like still goofy little Benji, but he's not goofy little Benji who can punch and do things. Well, he tries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but at least you can see the effort. I mean, he's actually growing as a... 
operative. I like the fact things. that he's always he's still a little bit hesitant. Why do I have to be on the mask? And then like yeah. Ving Rams is like, look at me, yeah. look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Who can pull off this guy? Come on. Yeah. And we can't put like you know Tom Cruise in another mask. Ooh. Do you want to talk briefly about um, uh, what the story of this movie is? Well, apparently uh, things happen. Yeah. So the yeah. MacGuffin this time is plutonium. Plutonium. Not krypton. Nope. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and the big twist this time is um, the CIA man turns out to be one of the syndicate. Spoiler alert. Who saw that coming? Yeah. yeah. Especially since they kind of had it in the trailer. I think a lot of it was revealed in the trailer, unfortunately. Yeah. But when you see him just pop by the first time you see him as a CIA guy, it's like, yeah, he's gonna probably going to be the bad guy. You know, yeah. He's got that vibe, he's got that look and everything. You know what? I think this movie... Mustache and all, literally. Yeah. Of it, it's a British guy... Playing a role, of course he's gonna the turn guy, evil yeah, at the end. Mm-hmm. For fuck's sake, Hollywood! <laughs> no, hey, if the formula works, sir, yeah, <laughs> keep him evil. Especially since he has a mustache and wears black. You only care so much. He about doesn't it. twirl it enough, unfortunately. Yeah. Right? Well, if only it was a proper handlebar. <laughs> no, it's just this big <laughs> where he can hang his gun, like this big fucking brush. <laughs> this big fucking brush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you, sir? He's English, like you. Oh, you but, can see it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Kelso Pries, uh, he has to go rogue again because that's just how these movies work. Yeah, and you have to figure out who's wearing the mask in this this time around. Per se. It's probably mm-hmm. the best culmination of mask wearing ever. But also like the, in the scene in the sewers where like, yeah. yes. like, I turn on you, but actually we turn on you. But no, we turn on you. It's like there are four double crosses in the space of five minutes. You know what? Yeah. Which I kind of fits because that's what these MI films are kind of about. You yeah, kind of have to guess while shit blows up. It ends with one character saying, Hang on, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what are we going to do? Uh, we'll figure it and out. And it was yeah. great because when I was watching it, there was this loud motherfucker in the back of the cinema who just went, what? When it was <laughs> a quiet moment. <laughs> he was probably answering the phone. Hello, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I want to yeah, say yeah. this, right? Okay, um, maybe let's warn our uh, Last King fans here that we're going to go into full spoilers because it's very hard to kind of review a movie like this without bringing up the fact that, you know, Plot twists are plenty, whether smart or not. Yeah, and depending on when this comes out, it's either been out for a week or three weeks. So or, yeah, if you yeah. cared about it, you would have seen it by now. Yeah, yeah. I would say this. Um, maybe let's give a, 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 a traditional Mr. Toffee countdown. Let's count the spoilers, Mr. Toffee. Three, two, one. Fuck me! The way they killed off Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course he dies. All the bad guys die yeah. in this movie. But you gotta figure out the best way to kill him off, and that's pretty good, you know. Yeah. The effects and all, and the thump and the. Trying to think, who was the worst death ever? Yeah. In the series, Emilio mm. Estevez death by sharp thing in elevator. Oh he yeah. Just poked mm. in the eye. You see that? Yes, Brian De Palma directed the first one, full gore. Oh yeah. Remember that? Like, okay, this is very off-putting for a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, that was definitely a good way to start uh, the first Watch Impossible movie. Yeah, I mean, it was just like we're killing off everything that you think about of uh, which the is TV why series. the original TV guys hated that movie yeah. so much because basically they didn't they just like watch themselves die. Not just that, they didn't like the fact that uh, Mr. Graves' character Phelps turns yeah. out to be the bad guy all yeah. along, played by John Voight. And like I think it was very famous that uh, I think maybe was it the guy who played Barnaby? I can't really remember. I know like when the original cast was invited to watch the film, like they all walked out before the movie ended. Wow! Because they they just thought like this is garbage. They they don't get it. And like Walter Matthau, God bless his soul. I mean, still my favorite vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and shout pirate to too. <laughs> shout outs to Ed Wood. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite grumpy old man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I will say this with Jack Lemon, <laughs> who yeah. we just mentioned. Shit. I will say this like uh, Walter Matthau to his dying day. 
hates the Mission Impossible movies. Is he still alive? Um, no, he died in 2003-4. Pretty yeah. early. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Still okay. hates the So series. the last one he watched was Mission Impossible 2. The first so one. The first one. He didn't even see the second one. I don't think even like. Uh, I don't think they would bother. I have a it quote for uh, Mr. Martin Landau. When I think when he said that, uh, oh, was it, did I say Martin Landau or Walter Matthau? Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. God damn it! I'm getting all my old men wrong again. <laughs> well, I mean, he was saying it's like well, when they were working on the early incarnation for the first one, not the script, uh, but they wanted the entire team to be destroyed, done away with one at a time, and I was against that. It was basically an action adventure movie and not a mission. Mission was a mind game. Ooh. Harsh words, Mr. Ooh. Mr. Landau. Sorry, I'm still here for Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I think well, all old white men look the same. I really. think they all did. So I who are they, who are they gonna complain? I'm sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But anyway, um, so I like the fact that the original series intention was to kind of uh, do away with the trappings of the original TV show yeah. and kind of be its own thing. And I also like the fact that the main character Ethan Hunt is not a character from any of the series. It's like a new guy. He's a fresh start. He is literally the fresh start, which is what I enjoy most about the franchise as a whole compared to other franchises who refuse to let go of things from the past, aka Solo. Leave that shit alone. Show us new things. If you want to adapt, just do things a little differently while keeping to the spirit of the exactly. original show. Like, like why Mission Impossible works is because we didn't have to see like, oh, the the origin story of the great Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Played by Zachary Quinto, who is the perfect Leonard Nimoy replacement, I would say still. I mean, and you also got to remember, I think at that time they got, they kind of want to build Mission Impossible as sort of that summer flake with 1986. And they also have to understand that when it has to be like that. That's yeah. Why. When it came out, it was in the height of the whole let's remake something from the 60s and just do something different because this came out like I just mentioned before, like it beat like Flintstones at the box uh, box office. I think Avengers also came out, not you know the Avengers? British Avengers. Oh, that oh one? yeah, it came oh, out that around that time too. 97, 98, oh. I think it was much later. But I think and also was, awful. Yeah. Was, mm, you can say that. I I didn't like it, but. Oh, Uma Thurman Mm. Sean Connery in a teddy bear (laughs) (laughs) remember that scene it's amazing he didn't retire sooner because he should have retired after Zardoz yeah because that mankini you can't escape from that ever you cannot because the internet now now will just remind you probably haunts him for the rest of his days I will also say this um, like I mean like this was the time of the Brady Bunch movie where it's like let's take a franchise from then and then like remake it for a modern audience and then like you know capture the like the youth market but at the same time pay tribute so I mean like when it comes to movies where you are remaking or you know rebooting I'll say yeah this is what I would say like an original reboot yeah like here's a movie here's a here's an idea that was like you know kind of old and tired and we're gonna make it fresh you know and then like a perfect example that came out quite recently would probably be like the Karate Kid semi-reboot Cobra Kai Cobra Kai Cobra Kai but it's like okay just take something from then but we make it our own thing you know and like that's what I'm really interested in not so much of what they're doing like Star Wars movies like I just found out that Carrie Fisher is going to come back for the ninth one. I saw that and I was like, Ooh, I was why? 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 Have why? her, have the movie start with a funeral. Ha- yes. Yeah. Or even better, she's just not in it. Let's just yeah. focus on all these extra new characters you're forcing, uh, you're forcing us to buy as toys. Yeah. Uh, I, I am so worried that I know that The Last Jedi, like, why are we talking about this now? Whatever. <laughs> but Because um, yeah, it all connects her. Yeah. It's like, I know The Last Jedi is divisive. Um, fuck you, I really like it. But, <laughs> One word is that because they're bringing back Abrams, they're going to try and retcon the shit out of that movie. Because they want to give another three movies to, what's the guy who did the second one? Rian Johnson. He's going to get his own trilogy, apparently. Yeah. Why? Still Star Wars, like, but different people. It's, characters. it's sure. Disney yeah. kowtowing to internet fuckboys. 
Not just that. It's just Disney kowtowing to the almighty dollar, sir. Because if people are still going to pay for this shit, then they're still going to churn it out. Yeah. I mean, we have, as we mentioned earlier, nearly 20 Marvel movies in 10 years. Yeah. And Mission Impossible, yeah, people might say, oh, it's moving at a glacial pace. No, six movies in 20 years kind of sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Because if you like take a whole year to develop, a whole year to uh, produce, direct, another and a year few years to take a break and after then the reshoot third or some refractory period, you give time for people to want another one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so you don't have Mission Impossible fatigue, which we like, which is probably one of the selling points of this movie because it comes out every half decade or so, and it's like, you know what? And you're, you're kind of drawn to the fact that, okay, it's not going to be mind-blowing or amazing, but it's consistent. It's like yeah. every f- uh, fra- uh, uh, entry into the franchise has been, yeah, this is yeah. above average. Yeah, you're going to have your mindfuck as well as your awesome action scenes. Yeah, and done I'll be differently on- and done really I'll well. be honest, this is probably the best Mission Impossible since the third one. You think so? I think so. So you're going to rate it 3, 6, then the rest? Uh, I would say 3, 6, uh, five, four. 4, 5, 1, 2. Mm. I didn't get to also see Also your pin number <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I gotta Shit con- <laughs> I gotta confess After 1, 2 and 3 I kinda skipped out 4 and 5 For some reason That's alright so I just went into this Like I don't have that much Attachment to characters But at the same time I enjoyed what I saw Honestly I would say Watch the fourth one Just for the scene With the Burj Khalifa mm, Because yeah. he actually did that Mm-hmm. This is this is my reasoning as to why the Mission Possible movies still work. Tom Cruise is fucking mental. He does his own. That's stunts. why we love for him. Yeah. One. yeah. I, I, I said earlier he's the first actor to do you know the the Halo jump. The Halo jump, and I saw some behind the scenes footage of them making this movie. And it's just like this man is only four years younger than my father. And look what he's doing with his life. He's in better shape than I am. <laughs> And he's more than twice my age. Uh, that's more to yeah. do with that's you, sir. Yeah, that's, that's definitely more to do with me. You know, I love his part. There's, Very like, uh, like there's that one random publicity photo of him sitting atop the Burj Khalifa <laughs> yeah. with no shoes, just chilling, posing for the camera on a helicopter somewhere. Was he smoking in a pipe or he something? Was, yeah, a he shot. was just being a badass. He's yeah. like, man, Tom Cruise, you live your life. Yeah. yeah. So this movie is, I mean, it's not deviating from the formula in any way if anything it's one of those few occasions where I don't mind you sticking to formula because when you enter like even something as similar as like a Bourne movie or a James Bond like you kind of expect certain certain beats when you watch this I listened to an interview with uh, Chris McQuarrie and he said that there's not like you know a formula to stick to but there's certain rules that have to make it a Mission Impossible movie yeah there's some guidelines there has to be the tape the team the twist the The, rogue the song the song (laughs) Yeah, you have to have the song, you have to have the tape, you have to have the team, and you have to have the villain die in a crazy manner. Do they still have the fuse? They do right now. Uh, yeah. Not the fuse. Just From the opening sequence? There oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah. they yeah. do have that, that, that intro cut. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of the soundtrack, though? Now it's being composed by this guy, Lauren Balf. You know what? I films here and there. I think it was appropriate. It wasn't, I think, uh, breathtakingly amazing. Like, it's definitely not going to win awards. I like but the fact... it worked yeah. well. It, I mean, it had its nuances, and it kind of pushed the scene along especially when it comes to the action bits. Like, he knows how to up the tempo and really get the heart racing. I mean, like, the entire Paris sequence, Jesus, when they're not yeah. talking, yeah. when it's just them trying to get away and trying to get things done, yeah. and the fact that it's a chase that leads to a chase that leads to a chase. Like, I mean, that went on for a bit too yeah. long. Yeah, I but, think that, I can but I appreciated the comedy bits with all the office people watching and nodding and see what happened. That was the London scene. Later. Sorry, London. That was in London. What, what, no, what I liked in the Paris scene was when they opened the garage door and it's just like that French uh, police officer just standing there just staring at them and just like waiting like 
who's gonna move first and oh that chase okay and yeah, like the thing better. is that what I also appreciate by the, the storytelling in this right because it knows how to like uh, puncture the tension with all these little comedic moments yeah I mean like it used to be like Simon Peck was Mr. Comedy Relief right and also like at the same time like yeah this is a summer blockbuster you can't just be over the top hyper violent and you can't take yourself too seriously that's the yeah. thing yeah. the best action movies have moments where it's kind of nice and quiet because you need dynamics yeah you need to have the nice you know calm before the storm exactly and uh, there's a few calms before the storm for this one I mean okay if anything I want to fault about this movie especially is like yeah this, the runtime is about two and a half hours it it definitely it doesn't feel like that I mean that that's a it felt like two hours it didn't yeah. feel like two and a half I would yeah, say but that. there were definitely moments where like I need to go home soon <laughs> please let me leave the cinema I think the only moment I checked my clock was basically when he was uh, trying to negotiate for the plutonium because mm. like the thing is um, okay one of the problems with this movie is like they have a tendency to just kind of keep uh, introducing characters and they have the weirdest callbacks like I found out that the broker is meant to be the daughter of Max who was mm. the arms dealer in the first movie first movie oh. yep. it's like what a weird unnecessary connection which is kind of weird too when she kisses Tom Cruise it's like yeah mm, yeah because did, did Max I mean she's to be the weakest character yeah because it's basically oh you're so sexy and so dangerous oh I yeah, can't and stand the, it and the way mm-hmm. she's kind of like macro orgasming when he's saying like I have no lines <laughs> I, I affect women with smallpox like oh please take me it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with you you know, but then again, she also had a moment of badassery when she decided to uh, play around with the butterfly knife. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, she can dispatch of people herself. Because, like, one thing... That I was a very femme fatale callback moment. Which yeah. is necessary because I think, like, a lot of people will complain, especially with the Mission Impossible series, is because it's trying to be too much like James Bond where every... It's like woman of the day. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, if you realize, uh, Ethan Hunt, unlike all these other characters, doesn't go for the women. It's like, everything is strictly platonic. Yeah. Except for his wife character, which is basically that's like, a consistent theme per se, that's right? That's the ethos the films, to his character yeah. because yeah, basically like, the women there are not, you know, just sexy fodder. Like, yeah, they're attractive women because you yeah. know it's a Hollywood movie. Yes. But they're also just competent and they're not there to be sex symbols. But They'll then probably unfo- kill you. Yes. But unfortunately, they still have to kiss Tom Cruise p- to prove to the rest of the world that he's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or uh, like the forced kiss between widow and yeah. Forced kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise tried his best to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was thinking about Brad Pitt at the time. I'm sorry, <laughs> boys and girls. I'm still a fan of Tom Cruise, but I can say what I want because yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. But this is what I want to say we also. Kid because we, love. we kid because we love. Thank you, sir. That's an amazing Don Rickles reference right there. Uh, if anything, like the, the, the running time, uh, nothing feels like padding, though. That's what I want to kind of bring up. Yeah, it's not padding, but there are definitely things where maybe this could be cut. Like, I think the bit where uh, August Walker, Henry Cavill's character, and Angela Bassett's character meet and he's trying to frame him I felt like that scene went on slightly longer than was necessary it was a necessary setup I feel like they could have cut down some of the dialogue because what I feel like uh, the thing is right once Angela Bassett makes the double turn again and she's like oh I've been working with them all along and then it's like oh okay because because um, okay I'll have to admit that Mission Impossible Fallout bends over backwards way too much to kind of distract you and do all the subversion and all that yeah it's and like the, yeah. the bit where you know shout out to Wolf Blitzer for being in a Mission Impossible movie played by Simon Peck played by Wolf Blitzer yeah, <laughs> Wolf Blitzer. yeah cool why because uh, Bill O'Reilly apparently is a bit too uh, hard to get <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know be amazing Alex Jones yep <laughs> oh god <laughs> a terrorist they're here <laughs> and Elizabeth got it but first have some shade grown arabica beans and buy my pro- supplements <laughs> <laughs> why are we mentioning Alex Jones on the last game because Facebook has donated my profile because I'm pink all the time <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, so yeah, um, villain wise, okay, uh, Henry Cavill makes for a very nice. It's good because he's built like a brick shit house. He's built like an under yeah, brick shit house. It's like I like uh, the scene in the uh, bathroom in Paris what? where he kind of like cocks his beard out when he moves his uh, arms. You oh. notice his stubble is slightly longer once he finishes like limbering up. <laughs> I was, but the thing is like, he when you see Henry Cavill punch that's a man who can definitely leave a dent yeah, yeah. he could probably kill Ethan Hunt as well he definitely. That, trains that with the uh, with the British Marines and the SAS really? yes for what role or just for fun? just for the fuck of it really? yeah oh yeah because the Falklands not a thing anymore no. so the SAS is kind of free huh? yeah <laughs> but well, they should do an SAS movie he would be like that's what you need. We need uh, we need a British version of Expendables. Expendables, Expendables. Why would you even say Expendables? I meant like an all-star cast of beefcakes. Who do you have? Him, Statham. Uh, Statham's a bit aging out, man. Charlie Hunnam. So. Charlie Hunnam, bit briefly, yeah. Uh, I don't uh, know. Taron Taron Egerton for the twink. <laughs> you should add a Hemsworth just for flavor. Yeah, it's like no, but not the one that's slightly more ex- the, the less expensive one. There's a third Hemsworth somewhere. Really? Yeah, the three Hemsworth of brothers. Of course, there's always another Hemsworth. Just like they're more scars guys than you think. <laughs> well, the Stellan, Skarsgars Peter, could be the bad guy. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, uh, Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that's he? That's Bill, again? right? That's Bill. Yeah. You know, how 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 cool is it that like you know the older ones have the like the more traditional names yeah. and then oh this is my other son Bill. <laughs> you know what I love about Bill Skarsgård? You know the eye thing he does? Yeah, that's him. Really? He's got a, a deficiency where if he relaxes his eyes, they kind of go. Uh, He's got lazy eyes. Yeah, wow. <laughs> lazy eyes. So that's 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 him just smiling and letting his eyes just go weird. Cool. <laughs> no CGI there Just no. like Tom Cruise No yeah. CGI there Except for the face During the opening scene Yeah Very obvious You know what's the thing That kind of like uh, Yeah It's Tom Cruise Like the opening scene When he's having his Wedding ceremony When mm. he's the same height As Michelle Monaghan And then, you, <laughs> then The thing is right Just by looking at the elbows You can tell he's standing On an apple box Yeah <laughs> like, mm, like I mean then again Good you, camera work you can't, it's No it's <laughs> not It's bad camera work <laughs> Because <laughs> you didn't get the angle right I'll no. tell you what It's the best face melting scene Since the second Terminator movie Nah, I would still say Riddles of the Lost Ark hands down all time. Yeah. <laughs> Nazi face melting is the best face melting. So, okay, story-wise, can we all agree? It's a bit convoluted. And it's not any more convoluted than I would say... Any other Mission the Impossible. Last, yeah. the I mean, the first one being quite for me convoluted. probably yeah. was hands down. I got to watch it twice or three times just the to second, sort of get it. I think the second one was the most unnecessarily convoluted because it was dealing with like a weird... Uh, like second half was thing. trying too hard but also at the same time I was yeah the like the third one was the most clever because they literally called it the rabbit's foot yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least this one I mean it just went straight to what we all liked about these films in the first yeah. place not so I mean the story's there with the twist and turn it's just a device to have half. the action scenes and my god did they deliver on the action scenes god damn yeah I mean that's one of the reasons why people come out to watch these things because if everybody always say like another Mission Impossible who watches these movies fans of action movies a lot movies. of people do based because on the money it's been getting because yeah. it's like a combined 2 billion in takings all the franchise because they do actual stunts real set location yeah. stuff and like also from the, the the school of Jackie Chan like that's Tom Cruise actually doing that stupid and thing and hurting himself yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I mean like I think the CGI is only reserved for the briefings and that face melding scene and the bit where he uh, where he lands on the top of the uh, pal- uh, palais 
Okay. The what? Yeah, the bit where he gets caught on the weather. weather oh, the helicopter uh, uh, when they're doing the skydiving scene. Because uh, the skydiving scene is real. Yeah. Uh, but then when uh, he gets caught on uh, the spire, yeah, that's definitely a transition to CGI because he's not that insurable. I would say also maybe the moment where he like I think during the final moments of the chase scene in Paris where he like gets hit by a car and he falls oh, yeah. over the board. Yeah, no. that's obviously CGI. Because if that was real, he would be paced. Either that or you got a really small child and a Tom Cruise helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is slightly cheaper than an actual Tom Cruise yeah. like, being paced. Then again, uh, what is Katie Holmes going to do? She's got no more alimony money. <laughs> but still, like, okay, we want to talk about the director because for the first time, a director returns. Chris because McCurry, yeah. yeah, usually the tradition has been like every single Mission Impossible movie had a different director, which kind of uh, attributes to the, the not say the tone, but maybe the aesthetics and like the design choices. Each one has each something film. special about it. They have it. their own flavor, yeah. Because like the first one by Brian De Palma, kind of dark and gritty. It feels like a Brian De Palma movie, especially with how they off some of the IMF guys. Yeah. Second one is a schlocky Hong Kong chop socky yeah. John Woo because movie. everything is far too elaborate. Pigeons including. Because the that. Matrix happened and all action scenes have to be like that. Yeah. Now. Abram definitely has the that good cerebral plot not Abrams just that but also like the good tight up action scenes tighter yeah no Abrams yeah, is the king of framing I would yeah. say this and, and I think one of the reasons why Steven Spielberg has decided to kind of earmark him as the next go-to guy is basically I mean like, if you watch uh, the, the first Star Trek reboot like just that, that best side Star Wars movie of the, at that time the best Star Wars <laughs> yeah. movie that was his showreel to be the Star Wars guy yeah. and you have, to, you have to understand just that that's, that scene of Sulu fighting the guy fancy yeah. and like like his, his and the uh, bit before when they do the uh, just the, the plummet down yeah, right? yeah plummet. because it's the first movie to say oh yeah space is silent yep it was that yeah, was a great scene, and then they had to kill the red shirt because you know tradition. Yeah, <laughs> because tradition. Because the asshole decided to like, no, oh, I'm gonna pull the cord too much later, and he gets burnt up by, <laughs> by a mining idiot. laser. Yeah. You idiot! That's amazing. <laughs> That's why we never bring anybody from engineering. <laughs> and then like, okay, so the next one would be Brad Bird, who gave our our favorite uh, Fantastic Four movie of all time. Yeah. yeah, now he's the man. He's the man famous for the big action set pieces, like mm-hmm. the. Red Square just falling in on itself. That was a brilliant uh, yeah, shot. I love that a lot. And now this is Mr. Christopher McQuarrie, who I think he wrote a lot of because he helped write the third film. He's been kind of behind the scenes involved for Do a you while. Know he's one of his earliest writing credits. Yeah, uh, usual suspects. Usual right? suspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I, that's what made me he's more interested. Th- he's like the king of plot twists. Yeah. And then to, to watch him plot twist over a plot twist over a plot twist, and it's like, okay, Quarry, calm down. But <laughs> hey, look, he gave Can us. I need to watch it a second time just to keep track of a Wu That's how they yeah. make so much money, all the repeat viewing, sir. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he made the Kaiser Soze, so he's allowed to do as yeah. many twists <laughs> as he wants. Not <laughs> yeah. be amazing. I think the uh, missed opportunity there, you know, because then we were just recently talking about Benicia del Toro. He yeah. should be a character in the Mission Impossible series, you know? Yeah. He's just still around. Give me the plutonium. You son of a bitch. No, no. I want to flip him. I want to flip him. What? What is he saying? <laughs> I don't know. He's speaking Del Toro. <laughs> and like, okay, Macquarie, um, his resume is basically, I think he directed Jack Reacher. Yeah, Jack Reacher. Which is probably yeah. what brought him in contact with Mr. Tom Cruise here. And like, okay, a lot of people kind of say that the first Jack Reacher was, you know, a very... It was, it was better than expected. expected it to be yeah. because... Jack Reacher films have been hit and miss for the longest but time. But there's only been two, so it's hit and miss, literally. <laughs> well, I didn't watch the second the one. The first so one was I don't know Games. How bad of a miss Patriot it was. Games? Yeah, Patriot Games is Jack Reacher novel. No, that's Jack Ryan. Totally different. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Jack Reacher is another guy. Fears and all that. That's a Tom Clancy thing. <laughs> They're right? both yeah. Tom Clancy creations. Oh, right, yes, right. they are. 
different jacks yeah. different jacks I, I my apology is that tom clancy writes one story <laughs> <laughs> and 20 games yeah <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, apparently he still wrote Division Two, even though he's been dead for like seven years. Probably thank his son for that, for the rights and stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> Who's his Although, son? you know, fantastic use of a Zelanada song. Yes, mm. very good. <laughs> and if anything, um, well, I mean, what was your moment like? Because the thing is, every Mission Impossible movie, as I mentioned, has a set piece. So like, I mean, I mentioned like the the eyeball scraping knife from part two. Yeah. Everybody remembers the mega iconic like harness scene from part one. Yeah. Which is brilliant acting, action directing, and what made it even more brilliant. Great bit of tension. Yeah. No sound. Yeah. It's like the most silent and the most like you know, like ball squeezing moment. For in me, movie. one of my favorites is the scene in the wind farm in the third film. Really. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was good. Over yeah. the uh, Tom Cruise getting slammed against a car and losing his ribs from a missile. That that film is just full of amazing set pieces. J.J. Abrams' directorial debut. Yeah, sir. I love it. I, I'm pretty sure he starts filming by saying, "Mr. Cruise, I'm a great fan. I'm very sorry what I'm about to do to your body." <laughs> I think he's like, "Okay, we're gonna get a stunt double and Tom Cruise." No, no, no. I'll, I'll do it. So, uh, and J.J. Abrams is like looking at his lawyer, and the lawyer is like. No! <laughs> he's like doing the like fingers across the neck don't and then he turns to the Paramount lawyers the Paramount lawyers are like fuck it we stopped trying and then he turns back to Tom Cruise who's writing another check yeah. <laughs> it's okay I'm still married <laughs> I only have to wait I was about to say I was just about to remember the, the, the name the of other his first wife stuff. Shit, now I lost it again yeah it will eventually come up somehow during uh, the, the remaining of this podcast I mean uh, Burj Khalifa so for this one like fuck yeah that helicopter scene huh yeah, yeah. that's the best high speed chase scene we've had since uh, French Connection you think yeah in a helicopter yes that's the there first time a helicopter we've chase scene in the French Connection no but I'm just saying that's the first time we've surpassed that chase scene between a train and a car mm, okay I think yeah. I, okay, I, I definitely I mean like, like the first in a, earlier b- in the list of high speed chases you've got you know French Connection Ronin yeah Ronin especially Ronin definitely yeah. when it comes to cars I mean I'm talking about the helicopter chase scene which there was no cars involved like that mountain chase I'm scene just, I'm just saying it's a high speed chase scene okay, I'm, okay. I'm saying it's not uh, bound to just regardless cars. of vehicles I'm regardless yeah. of vehicles <laughs> this one is even better because it's got the third dimension and the best start to the chasing where he's trying to like literally just drop a bag of shit onto the other <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> and he misses. Yeah. It's like, like shit. <laughs> also, something. I like how it starts by when they say he's in a helicopter and then all four team members are like, what's he doing in a helicopter? Mm-hmm. Why is he in a helicopter? And then you realize, oh, he doesn't know how to fly a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless, he is trying his yeah, best like, okay, to crash so, into uh, the other helicopter you know, too. Uh, I also love that moment. Altitude, just, flight speed, uh, that's power. Okay. I think I got this. Too much, too much, too much, too much, too much. Too much. No, I like, I like the fact that, like, so which one's payload? And there's like this huge sticker that says <laughs> payload. <laughs> okay. It's like when your dad is trying to like, make sense of a remote control for the TV. It's like when you give your dad a brand new smartphone and you just like, okay, how do I uh, change my ringtone? Yeah, it's the second time in a movie when they say, yes, he is an older man. <laughs> <laughs> He's an older man who apparently he can do everything except fly a helicopter now we've established that you know what given five seconds and a lot of adrenaline yeah he can fly a helicopter <laughs> yeah. Under not duress. well <laughs> not well because he spins out a few times yeah too, and also at the same time it's like uh yeah. it's got the best climax when it's just them shunting each other down a mountain pass which is necessary <laughs> and I mean like just the entire like scene of like that helicopter is just tumbling towards him and you just see his face of terror <laughs> realizing like 
this is this is now emission implausible at this point of time. But fuck it, it's like yeah, he's like he's just trying like he's trying to get out. Guy, like, fuck it. <laughs> like yeah, I'm accepting my let's fate. Let's slam. And it, and it's strange when you look at it. It's like how did they survive all of that and still have enough energy to punch each other? <laughs> yeah. yeah, to fight on the cliffside. You know yes. what? It has a better rock climbing scene in the second movie. True that, but yeah. the second movie did not have a harness or a rope. But then True. again. He was 55 or something in this one. Yeah. So, mm. and he had to carry Henry Cavill, who's <laughs> not a buck or nine. He's a he's a big dude. Yeah. He is. He's probably pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. He's probably a good 120 kilos of just pure fuck you uh, mass. Man beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shave the mustache, maybe lose five, like, like ten kilos. That's another ten. Yeah. He's the second coming of the Rock. He's getting progressively bigger every movie I see him in. You think? Like, he's yeah. bigger than in Man from Uncle. That's for sure. Uh, that's the that's another franchise that really deserves a second chance. I think. Yeah, Didn't that was a reboot fun? of a TV show, wasn't it? Yeah, that? yeah. That was great. Him and Army Hammer just like trading insults was just fantastic. You know what? Still a great name for a porn star, Army Hammer. Yeah, <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He'll run a platoon down you, sir. Yay! You got to bring out the bathroom scene in a Mission Impossible Six, though. Oh yeah, that was great. Very. Especially because you have that moment where Tom Cruise is like. He's hurt. He's like wheezing. You see Henry Cavill's just been knocked out. He's like, yeah. fuck it. I've got to carry on. I hate my job. And then <laughs> rushes at the other guy. I mean, that was a brilliant fight scene and ending in the best possible way. Yeah. I mean, I would say this, right? Rebecca uh, Ferguson just like capping the motherfucker. Rebecca Ferguson. Wait, she's surprisingly very hot all of a sudden to me. I, what I, never, you mean? I never found her that attractive until this movie. I, f- I feel like she's more mousy than she was in the previous film. You think? In a, well, in the previous film, you had her doing that completely unnecessary like leg raise in a cocktail dress to do the sniper shot. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, yeah, femme fatale, you got nice legs. Why are you standing mm, like but that? But she still had to wrap her legs around some random French dude in the club fight scene later on. Yeah, when but she, she was wearing like, trousers, so, you know. Trousers. Oh, yeah, you don't say pants. Yeah. That's business pants. <laughs> Mrs. Business pants. Those are riding trousers as well. Riding trousers? Oh. Yeah. Mm, That's definitely someone's fetish. I have a crop <laughs> fetish. I agree. Yes, I would love to be whipped by a... <laughs> some pants <laughs> if anything um, let's also kind of mention the fact that this film is up against nothing at the box office right now because like it, Sicario it, the Soldado in is our part of space not really because yeah. for example uh, this the is the end of the summer movie the second equalizer right? isn't coming out till end of August for us which is also another hey let's reboot a, fran- a TV franchise from yeah. back in the day yeah I mean there's a shark movie in August and equalizer that's oh, about yeah. it Meg yeah. is a remake of what not a remake, sorry. I mean, just we're talking stuff to complete. We are entering some the slum movies, yeah. You know, and like, thank you, Tom Cruise, for like giving us something to look forward to for that, sm- for the for the rest of the slump. Yeah, for and that month of July of nothing. We have nothing until like there's not even going to be a Star Wars movie anymore because like they decided to shoot their load too early with Solo very early on. Yeah, right? that yeah. was the most stupid release window choice. And they they could have had more time to just polish it up a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. if they would released it in December like they had done with the Last Jedi, they because. There was no reason for it to really release in May, and like they again, were biting into uh, their own other films. Again, yeah, they're cannibalizing themselves yeah. because yeah. Infinity War would be the Megaton box office juggernaut that it would be. Yeah, and like it's like sad to say, it's like after this movie, we've got nothing to look forward to for a while. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to the second Equalizer because Denzel Washington is. You like the first one? It was, it was the best dad movie I've seen. I agree. As in, like movies made specifically for your dad. <laughs> Best one since the first Taken. I would still say Com- Commando. Commando's the best dad movie. Yeah. He was an actual dad when yeah. he went out to save his daughter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And like, I mean, we have. I'm what looking forward to the Meg just because you know I just want to see Jason Statham. I just want to see a lot of Chinese people get eaten by a shark. We yeah. because you know what irony. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been soup for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that joke. <laughs> I can say it. I'm Asian. Anyway, uh, so what else can we say about Mission Impossible? Do you look forward to more of these series? Um, I wouldn't yes. mind having one more, but I want the last one to be the, uh, Tom Cruise's swan song. <laughs> I want. He has to pass the baton, right? Because the next movie will come out when he's 60, and then it will become... Like, it will get into Taken territory. Yeah. And it's like, ter- Taken worked because it was unexpected and still very heavily grounded reality. The first one. Yeah. yeah. Not the rest. The second one was god-awful. Yeah. third like, one was hot garbage. Yeah, I'll when they had to do 13 uh, different cuts for having jump over a fence. <laughs> because that's how action's directed yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I do want the seventh film to come out like maybe the next two, three years, like 2022 really? or 2023. And Just give it a break or whatnot. I mean, uh, who would you want to see replace Ethan Hunt? I still say Jerry Manor. Jerry Manor yeah. should come back. Yeah, but he's also no spring chicken anymore. I would say He was in his 40s for Hurt Locker. But then again, you also have to look at something like maybe Daniel Craig is James Bond. Yeah. Like, like, you know, it's not really so much the age of the actor, but his ability to perform. And, and the like charisma and the presence definitely. as an agent. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, as, as I mentioned before, like Ryan Gosling would be the Tom Cruise equivalent of this dinner. I would like to see, you know, maybe Ryan Gosling, if they're not going to do like an other guy's like franchise. Yeah. He would be a pretty good like replacement for Ethan Hunt. Yeah, because he's got that kind of Canadian actor thing of being able to look kind of like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Him and Ryan Reynolds both have that really like Mwah! No, but <laughs> Ryan Reynolds cannot do this because he's like when you look at him, you just, he's, he's I just see Deadpool now. Yeah, he's he's going to do a wisecrack every now. He's and too then. affable, you know what yeah. I mean. Whereas like when you have moments where like the thing is like okay, and again, you know, props to Tom Gosling Cruise. has definitely better range, and also yes. we've seen him be the cold psycho. Like drive, yeah. Like if God, what's it? God only, only God knows. Only yeah. God knows that. No, movie. only God forgives. Only God forgives. My bad. Only God forgives. Only God knows is something else. Yeah. yeah. And no, God only knows is God. what you're thinking of. Mm. God, oh, that's a Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. Song. <laughs> yeah. I love the Beach Boys. Uh, and okay, um, if the series has to, f- to to finally end, I mean, would you guys be sad to see it go? Because the thing is, right, I this one song would be good, especially and on a high note, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be cut up if they don't make any more. Mm. But they're nice. It's it's just it's not something I wait with bated breath. But whenever I see there's another one, like. Okay, sure. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, because it's, it's either good or very good. Yeah, it's yeah. never let me down. Yes, exactly. So yes, just like Mission Impossible, we've been a bit too convoluted with the way we're wrapping up this review. Let's give it our final scores, boys and girls. I'm gonna give it a solid seven point five. Okay, definitely a seven for me. It's a six for me too. Yeah, it's a very, sh- it's a strong entry into the franchise. Nothing that you need to see, but. As I would a say fan of the series. I would say watch it in cinema, and if you have a bit more money, if you've just been paid, try and watch it in IMAX because oh, yeah. IMAX the be sound good. design yes. is is fucking mental in this one. Yes, watch watch this in the best theater closest to you, boys and girls. Okay, there you go. The Last King Podcast giving a uh, stellar review for a Mission Impossible Fallout uh, seventy six yeah. no, multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still. Uh, that game is coming out. Really I'm gonna soon. give yeah. it a chance. Really? Yeah, same here. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna turn off multiplayer. Yeah, because but said they're gonna be able to have private servers a few months after release. 
So you just have to deal with the dickheads for about two months and then you can make the, it on private the server. The series is buggy as fuck. Do you need other people to bug it up for you, sir? I think yeah. it might be structured like a Destiny-style game where you got instances Which is with already, yeah. I'm not interested. I just want to walk around with my dog and like, oh, yeah. kill Marklurks. And yeah. hopefully they'll have that bit in as well because that's what ma- that's what makes a Fallout game. Mm-hmm. And it's made another good tenant of the recent Fallout games. Good music. Mm. Not enough Liam Neeson, though. Ah, no. Right, right. So uh, this has been your friends at the Lasking Podcast signing out for another f- uh, dual movie review with a uh, plus a lot of extra bullshit mixed in. Of course, in. it wouldn't be meanderings. You know, we we got a tangent off here and there once in a while. Absolutely. So uh, this has been uh, your uh, chief medical officer and uh, Tom Cruise apologist, uh, <laughs> Dr. Shafiq. This has been your quartermaster and Tom Cruise. Uh, eh, eccentric <laughs> uh, Tom. And this has been your Katie chief Holmes. engineer guy. <laughs> And also Tom Cruise kind of fan, Mr. Toffee.